for any educator that the idea of one of their students getting sick is cause of a real fear, uh, not to mention the fear of infection of the adults in, in the workplace called school. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Vermonters and the country are now focused on whether and how to safely reopen schools. The challenge of threading the needle of safety for students and staff against the need for children to return to school has been daunting and controversial. Vermont Governor Phil Scott has delayed the statewide start of school to September 8th and this week announced new rules reducing the amount of social distancing between students and also said that fall sports can take place provided student-athletes wear masks. Here to talk about the issues around school reopening are an educator and a physician who are at the center of the conversation and the decisions. Don Tinney is a 31-year veteran teacher of English, half of which he has spent at BFA St. Albans. He's the current president of the Vermont NEA, the statewide teachers' union. Dr. Rebecca Bell is a pediatric critical care physician and the president of the Vermont chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm going to start with Dr. Bell. Uh, Dr. Bell, two weeks ago at Governor Scott's press conference, you said uh, memorably that the kids are not okay. Explain what you mean by that. Well, this pandemic has been challenging for everyone, and it has created inequity everywhere. Um, but as a pediatrician and child health advocate, what I'm most concerned about is are the effects of on children and families. And, you know, our vulnerable children here in Vermont, um, they don't, they have advocates, but they don't really have their own voice. And pediatricians just want to make sure those voices are heard. So we have families before the pandemic who were struggling um, just to get through, just to get through each day. Um, and the disruption to um, their lives, the stress that's placed on the families has created some very unsafe living situations. Um, children are, are, are really untethered um, without the structure and the support and the routine that they get from you know, their educators and their school system. And this is such a testament to all of the work beyond just educating our young people that our our school systems provide. I mean, our our most vulnerable really depend on on schools for for so many things. And pediatricians in Vermont are really really worried about about kids. This spring was really really challenging for a lot of families. Um, and so we just want to make sure that those those children's um, needs and voices are are raised up as part of that conversation and and this is something that educators know i mean they work with these children and and families um and we just want to to make it clear that 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 we're worried too they're not they're not doing okay can you give us an idea you know when you say as a pediatrician kids are untethered what does that look like anecdotally Sure. So I have found myself asking patients um, questions that starting this spring um, that I might ask during a vacation time or during summertime, but now it's this extended period really since March where with our really vulnerable children in unstable homes, I have to say, get really specific and say, in the last week, how many days have you spent in your home? In the last week, how many nights have you spent, you know, 
in your home? Um, and oftentimes the answer is, especially the spring well, my grandmother in the next town has better internet access, so I go there sometimes, but then I don't really get along with her boyfriend. And so then um, I go to my sister's boyfriend's house um, to spend the night, and then I go back home, and, you know, um, there's tension between my mother and I, and um, she kicks me out for a while, and so I go to a friend's house. And so that's an anecdotal, you know, answer that I get that really, you know, I I feel this untethering. They're not, um, they don't have to be in a physical place anymore, and um, they don't have that sort of wonderful, watchful eyes on them that, you know, the school system and their educators and other support people that work with them in the schools see. And pediatricians, like, we depend so much on the educators in providing comprehensive care to kids and families. And educators have certainly been doing that through the spring as best they can. Um, But we, we really depend on them. And we have felt like, you know, some of their impact have been minimized because of the need to, to do a lot of this virtually, and it's been really challenging. Let me turn to Don Tinney, president of the Vermont NEA. Um, Don, the governor said at his uh, recent press conference that the risks of keeping students at home, especially for academically at-risk children, exceed the dangers posed by transmission of COVID-19. How do you respond to that, and what are your main concerns right now? Well, we certainly share the concerns that Dr. Bell has expressed, and, and and I think she made an excellent point when she talked about the situation pre-pandemic, right? So food insecurity, uh, housing insecurity, uh, domestic abuse, all of those issues um, were issues before the pandemic, and, you know, schools have provided those urgent services that uh, children, children need, so we absolutely uh, concur. You know, and I'm not sure how we calculate the risks um, in terms of going going into the physical school building versus a remote learning situation. Uh, I do think we have to figure out a way to meet the needs of of students with intense needs, uh, with marginalized students, uh, for sure. And um, whether it's worth the risk of bringing uh, all students back into the physical building at this point um, is is the question. I think the great job Vermont has done in keeping the infection rate low, um, making that a possibility that other states don't have, uh, is a clear indication of, of our commitment as a state um, to the health and well-being of everyone. Um, but it certainly is is a serious challenge and a complex challenge as well. Um, I think part of what we need to remember is we're we're coming back in the fall to the physical building. If we um, if we do come back um, or when we come back, it's not going to look like the same school that students left. So we know the importance of social emotional learning and taking care of those needs. Um, but students are coming back into a school that will be more highly regimented. Uh, everyone will be in masks. They'll have to keep their physical distance. Uh, it's it's not going to be the the same school, and and I think that that's an important part of the equation as well. The Vermont NEA has warned of what it calls school reopening chaos. Uh, 
What do you mean by that? I think what we, in terms of, um, if we look at sort of the bird's eye view of the state, we have such inconsistencies uh, between districts and um, it, and we're continuing to work on this. I know there's a lot of hard work that's happening within local districts to make sure that the reopening is orderly and um, in, in many cases it will be. Uh, but with, without um, having all our, you know, the practitioners at the table as they're making plans and really understanding uh, how things are going to work, uh, we're concerned that, you know, across the board, we're, we're not going to have the orderly reopening that, that we should have. There's also um, some uh, inconsistency between districts around scheduling. And so if a someone who teaches in one district and the, and their and their children are in another district uh, it it's really difficult to be in sync uh, with your schedules um, you have been quoted uh, as saying that you're uh, increasingly frustrated with the inconsistent and seemingly changing guidance from the administration you said that instead of joining us in an orderly phased in statewide approach uh, the governor has chosen to allow districts to make critical decisions on their own. Um, isn't it necessary for districts to have that flexibility so that areas of little or no infection are not, uh, you know, dealing with the same restrictions that an area of high infection is dealing with? What is it you're working right, that's, for? That's a really good point, that there is a lot of work, and, and much of the work, if not most of the work, has to be done at the at the local district level, even at the building level, not just at the district level, uh, to make sure that um, we, we have protocols in place. I think what was missing was more of a, from a statewide or state-level um, planning process with having practitioners from the field at the table trying to figure a few things out, being consistent with various protocols so that local districts didn't have to figure them out for themselves. For instance, you know, we, we get answers from a school bus driver about transportation issues that, you know, that I don't, I couldn't answer as a high school English teacher. And so I think if we had more folks who were responsible for the implementation of, of the guidelines, uh, it, it would be more efficient and trying to get more um, consistency, even if it's a case of, you know, people trying to figure out how, how to isolate a student, how to, you know, how are quarantines handled, how are we going to find substitute teachers when teachers have to stay at home, is there some type of um, advice or guidance that can be offered. Uh, but you're, you're right, I mean, I, and I don't want to mislead anyone to think that that more decisions made at the state level means that it's easy at the local level because this is a very complex system uh, to bring students back into a school building in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so it it would be, we think it would be helpful to have, um, you know, more of the folks who are implementing the plans at the initial uh, writing. But that was a decision that all governors made across the nation was to uh, generate health and safety guidelines and then turn the development of the plans over to local school districts. 
and our and our school nurses, by the way, are the heroes in, in this because they are right in the middle of um, creating these plans and, and doing this extraordinary work. I, I guess I'm not capturing the uh, the practical expression of what you're saying. I'm not quite understanding what this looks like. Is what you and the NEA want is more statewide? guidance that says simply, you know, this school district can open, this cannot, or do you want to keep it more lo- those decisions more local? Well, I think the decisions about whether or not a school opens is a, is a public health decision. I think much of it, more of it is along the lines of uh, the protocols and, and, you know, the sort of the doing side of that. Uh, things like, like ventilation systems, for instance, um, what are the state standards for testing the HVAC systems, which seem to be becoming more and more um, important as more of the science we learn about how the virus is airborne. So um, not in, in terms of deciding uh, whether a school remains open, that's, that's for Dr. Levine's department um, for sure. So that's not what we're looking for. Well, let me turn back to Dr. Bell. Um, President Trump has threatened to withhold federal funds in an attempt to pressure the nation's schools to reopen. He falsely claimed on Fox and Friends that, quote, children are almost, I would almost say definitely, but almost immune from this disease, close quote. So we learned now that uh, nearly 100,000 children tested positive for coronavirus during the last two weeks of July. That's according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, your organization that you head the local chapter of. And this represents a 40% increase in the nation's total of childhood cases. Could you, first of all, respond to President Trump's claim about children being immune? And what is the significance of this surge in childhood infections? Yes, um, thank you. So, President Trump's claims that children are immune or close to immune is completely inaccurate. Um, Children get, you know, again, I'm a pediatric intensivist. I take care of children who are critically ill, and the most common reason they're critically ill is from a respiratory virus. Um, So they get very, very sick, um, especially fall, winter, spring. Um, They sort of fill our hospitals and and our ICUs. What is nuanced about this, um, and that's something that the president has a, has a challenging time with, is that the SARS-CoV-2 virus in children creates less severe illness than one might expect, given the fact that they get so ill from other respiratory viral illnesses, and they have less severe cases than adults. So um, they are hospitalized at a much lower rate. They are um, get severe cases at a much lower rate. The mortality rate is is much lower than adults. Um, so that's a very important distinction. Children can get sick from this, um, but what is surprising to me as a pediatric intensivist is that um, again every year I take care of children who are really sick from what in adults is a common cold and what in children can be very serious. And I, I'm not sure why the SARS-CoV-2 virus acts differently in children, but it does, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but it's absolutely wrong to say that children can't get it or can't get sick from it. Um, so when we second, hear, okay, continue, yeah. 
the the second piece about um, about threatening schools to to reopen that is irresponsible and that ignores all of the public health indications and all of the good work that our public health officials are doing. So so the the decision to reopen schools is very much a local decision and it should very much reflect what's happening in the community. So what happens in schools is going to be a mirror of what's happening in the community. If you have high rates of of transmission in the community, you're going to have COVID-19 in the schools. Um, and so it is, is very irresponsible to, to force any, any um, area to open, especially the, the areas that have high rates of cases. So in some of the southern states, just to put numbers to this, we're talking about recent in the last week um, cases per population of, you know, in the 200s per 100,000. Vermont is less than 10 and has been less than 10 per 100,000, you know, all summer. We're the lowest in the country. Um, similarly, with um, percent positive case rates in Vermont, we've been below 1% this entire summer, essentially. Um, in other states that are reopening, we're talking about magnitudes um, higher percent positive case rates. So we're talking about 15, 17, I think Florida's 18% case positivity rate. That is not um, an environment in which you should reopen schools. That is an environment in which you should actually be scaling back. You should be shutting things down and you need to get control of the virus in your community before you reopen schools. And I think that that again points to um, a really important point is that we as members of the community are all responsible for keeping our schools safe. So one thing I worry about when I talk about how, you know, we're sort of the envy of every other state in terms of our numbers, I worry that broadcasting that information might make Vermonters complacent. But now is not the time to become complacent. Now is the time to become more vigilant, knowing that Many of our schools are trying to reopen in the next month. We want to keep those buildings safe, and we keep those buildings safe by not letting COVID-19 transmit in the community. And so that means all of us have to continue masking, continue to follow the travel guidelines, maybe don't go on that trip to a higher prevalence area. Maybe now is the time to, to stay close to home, to make sure you're following the health department guidelines, um, to not, you know, gather in large numbers. And even if you're not worried for yourself, you need to do it with the thought that kids are trying to go back to school, teachers are trying to go back to school, and we need to keep community rates low. Um, the governor, in his most recent press conference, acknowledged that reopening schools, there would be cases of COVID-19 that appeared Um what is the safe level of infection in a school? What can a school tolerate and still stay open, Dr. Bell? So what is most important, um, the, the most important aspect of that is what are our capabilities as a state to respond to COVID-19 cases? And our health department has shown that they have done a wonderful job with testing with contact tracing with containing clusters of COVID-19 that have appeared in our community. 
we've had um, a very reassuring experience with um, with childcare, which some have been opened, you know, this entire time. Um, other childcare centers have opened for the summer. Camps have opened. Um, we do expect we'll see cases here and there. We may see clusters, and it's less about um, picking a number there. What's most important is that we have preventative measures set up, and then our health department is there and ready and waiting to respond and to contain. And I think that's another piece of this that I feel, um, you know, I have the luxury of, I don't work for the state, but I have the luxury of working closely with members of the health department, and they are so thoughtful and diligent in the way they approach this, and they are always um, making decisions with an eye towards community safety. And so I, I trust that they are keeping an eye on the numbers, that they have the ability to quickly, um, to quickly respond to, to cases or clusters. And I, I get, though, that many people don't, don't know who to trust. And that's what I hear a lot from parents, from teachers, from, from the community. They say, I don't know who to trust. You know, we have um, federal, um, you know, our, our president isn't, isn't credible. We have um, state leaders in other states that are saying things that aren't credible, that sound like they're, they're threatening their health department. And so I have to come back and say, you know, I really trust our health department to respond appropriately and to be flexible and to be nimble and do what needs to be done to keep people safe and healthy. Um, Don Tinney, um, putting on your other hat as a teacher, an English teacher at BFA St. Albans, are you concerned about your safety as you return to school in a few weeks? Well, I'm full-time as president of Vermont NEA, so I'm, I'm not scheduled to return to the classroom this year. Uh, and that would be, given, given my age and, and health conditions, I would, I would need to have a conversation with my physician um, and talk about the risks and, and make that very personal decision um, with the advice of my, of my physician. Uh, I just want to echo uh, what the doctor said about our health department. They are extraordinary and have been incredibly helpful um, to our members in, in understanding uh, the risks of Dr. Holmes and Dr. Levine, Dr. Rask and Dr. Lee have, have all engaged with us in a virtual town hall um, to try to get as, as much scientific information um, as possible. Um, but the, the, the fact that there will be cases is what causes even greater stress and anxiety amongst our members. Um, for any educator, the, the idea of one of their students getting sick um, is, is cause of, of real fear, uh, not to mention uh, the fear of infection of the adults in, in the workplace um, called school. So. But it's it's one of those questions, you know. Ultimately, you know, individuals have to decide uh, how much risk they're going to assume because we know we're we're not going to be at a a place of zero risk, and those are hard decisions to make. Do you think there will be some schools that will not have enough staff to reopen? I think that's an important question. I think we're examining now um, as as the applications for leaves and things like that come in uh, what the workforce will be uh, will be like I think 
one of the issues that we need to address, and that is, is and I think um, Dr. Bell could uh, confirm this, but one of the things that we absolutely must do is stay home when we're sick, when we have symptoms. If And, you know, educators are notorious for popping a couple of aspirins and drinking a glass of water and going to work and just, you know, I just can get through the end of the day. We can no longer do that, right? So we're going to have to have substitute teachers coming in. And we already had a shortage of substitutes um, before the pandemic. So um, I think while there may be folks, uh, enough folks to open I'm not sure what's going to happen um, as the cold and flu season comes. Uh, and, and I'm not sure right now where we stand in terms of hiring enough nurses so that every school building has a full-time school nurse. Uh, and I've also heard that there's a shortage of uh, school bus drivers. Uh, but the, the, work, the workforce issue is, is real, and there's another um, example of some inconsistencies that we have, you know, there are guidelines to who are the folks who are at risk, who should meet with their physicians to decide whether or not they should have a remote work opportunity or go back into the school in person. So folks with close to identical conditions are being treated differently district by district. So while some leave requests have been denied, two districts away, the same condition has been granted um, the not necessarily leave request, but the remote working opportunity. And finally, uh, Dr. Bell, um, what's your biggest concern? UVM's about to come back into session. That's 10,000 students. We just have 30 seconds, but how concerned are you about that? Well, you know, as I mentioned, I am concerned about complacency. I am. I love that when I look at the you know, map of the U.S. and see what states um, have have achieved viral suppression in Vermont pops up as being, you know, the only one or one of the only ones. Um, I, I worry that people see that, especially folks potentially coming from other states and say, oh, oh, great, we don't, you know, we don't need to, um, we, you know, we can sort of take it easy and not and not follow all the guidelines. And this, again, this is a time to become more vigilant and, um you know, sometimes people have this feeling of that they're indestructible and, um, you know, no one is, but if not for yourself, do it for the community, do it for the kids and the educators trying to get back into school. Um, okay, we're, we're going to have to yep. leave it there. We're out of time. Um, but I want to thank both of you, Don Tenney, uh, Vermont, uh, President of Vermont NEA, and Dr. Rebecca Bell, uh, President of the Vermont Chapter of American Academy of Pediatrics. Thanks so much for joining us on the Vermont Conversation. You can hear this in all shows at the VT Dig org and you can tune in next Wednesday at one for another Vermont conversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.